0: Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge. I've got Jonathan Kidd in the house, as ever. Good and the absolutely lovely Mr. Clayton Beerman.
1: Good evening.
0: Um, just as a quick kind of intro into this. Uh, well, as I said actually earlier on in the break, and Jonathan and Clayton, of course, were old enough to be around then, doing this rather than me. But I was, I was doing a bit of reading on this, and I was staggered to find out that... Chelsea genuinely were were considered, and I think actually some of the players and and Dave Sexton really thought that they could go for a, a, a title challenge at the start of the season. Um, let's be honest, the core of the '60s team were there. They had a they had a lot of the old guards still there: Bonetti, Hollins, Harris, Osgood, Boyle, Hudson, Houseman and Cook, uh, Webb, Dempsey, Baldwin. So the the bulk of the squad was still there. Um, the interesting thing was that uh, much of Sexton's plans uh, involved Ian Hutchinson partnering Aussie but of course Hutchinson then went on to miss the season through injury and I think if one goes back uh, you know if one reflects on that one can see what a big blow that actually was because I think that led to a whole catalogue of other issues but the other thing I mean basically to cut a long story short I'm going to start with you Clayton we we had a really appalling start that season. So having had all this optimism, uh, we we basically, I think we had three defeats and a draw to start the league campaign. So basically the league campaign, there we go, we lost uh, 3-0 to Arsenal, first match of the season up there, lost 3-2 to United at home, drew against Man City to all, and then lost 2-0 away to Everton. And Clayton, from what the reading I've done, the, the biggest criticisms were coming in for the likes of Charlie Cook and Peter Osgood and Hudson, uh, not least Ozzy, who got transfer listed in August by Dave Sexton in a fit of rage. But apparently, uh, they he... Well, Alan Hudson had got married that summer, and I think that they were over-celebrating the Cup winner's Cup win and uh, and were really, really unfit. Basically, that's what I picked up. But they had a very poor start to the season, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I mean... <sighs> It's interesting the trajectory of the season. I mean, it was a it was a dreadful start. I mean, I can't. When people talk about having a chance of winning the league, what you have to remember is then there was never a chance. I mean, mentally you couldn't actually get your head around the thought of us ever winning the league.
0: I mean, did
2: did you feel like that though at the beginning of the season?
1: No. No, John, I,
2: I Just just quickly, Jonathan, did you Jonathan feel... Did. I went to the 3-0 game, the Arsenal game, with my hopes high, thinking that this was going to be a great... This was going to be a great season for them. And went went away with my tail between my legs. They didn't last long, then?
1: But, but this is... I was, I was so I... dreadful.
2: They were dreadful. The first of <laughs> your six games of the season, it was like watching a bunch of old men. I remember it. It's my my... Enthusiasm was completely punctured. and I have to say that that I find the whole process of worshipping Osgood, I've always found terribly difficult because he was a very filthy, was a filthy player. and I know he was dealing with filthy center halves, but he was, he was petulant and and egotistical and arrogant, and he would disappear from games completely. And this was the worst season. For disappearing, and then he would come back. He scored what? Did he scored twenty-five goals or something in this season. He scored thirty-one goals 31 this goals. season. Yeah. But that was later on. This was big, the beginning. He, Sexton absolutely got it right to to put him on the transfer list because he wandered about. In this game in particular, I was taunted. I remember I was sitting with an Arsenal mate about how completely awful this the Chelsea were. They were all unfit. Oh, Hudson was just it was wandering about. This slightly fat bloke. You know, you just thought. <laughs> is going on here I mean but he was a great player this is what was so then he'd come back and they'd be wonderful they then ended up having a, a run later on didn't they no, we'll, we'll, we'll
0: get into that
2: we're in a minute there, but but I mean they, they, it was so typical of watching Chelsea you think fuck yeah we're gonna what this last year we'll in this cup I know they finished six but yeah come on, come on. and uh, my enthusiasm is great I mean to be fair to them they played Arsenal Man United and Man City and Everton all of whom were top teams it's almost as if Almost well, as if the, three, three, three title winners in the last it, four years. Almost as if the fixtures people have gone, let's stuff them. We have to remember, of course, you're dealing with a Chelsea who were uh, considered the dandies of the King's Road. This is a label that was still going. They were like still a music hall joke for some people. People wanted them not to succeed, as they've done under Abramovich. People are resentful of the area. People are resentful. Of the of the image Chelsea have got, we are Chelsea, and Chelsea is style, Jonathan. Indeed, indeed, and well, you and I know that Clayton knows that we all know that. <laughs> that. But you know, somebody up north is going to go, you know, fucking Chelsea, fuck them,
0: you know, kick, it's, him. It's,
2: it's, <laughs> kick him. them, and kick them, <laughs> fucking kick them, yeah, bastards and and bastards um, and and so Ever- Everton were a decent side, very decent side. Man City, um uh, Tony Book. um, uh, Colin, Bell, Colin Bell Franny yeah, Lee. still you know did, uh, we did very well to beat them in the semi-final the year before of the cup winner's cup and that was a sex and i remember being being very ta- tactically canny and actually sitting back and hitting them on the break and not playing their usual flowing football um, uh, the gunners were, were had won the won the sodding double the year before so yeah 3-0 fair enough but it was abject an abject sodding performance at the beginning of the season and uh, and I flitted in and out of the season because I was in, um, uh, I was in the rugby team. I was then in the football team. I was in the squash team, and I was in the the rugby fives team. Anybody needs to look that up. And then um, veering into the summer with the cricket team, but that wasn't the, the same. So, in a sense, you know, there were there were games I was going to miss, but my dad still had his season ticket, and and when he didn't go, um, uh, which was a lot of the time because he was away, I, I went and, and watched. So lots of these games. I watched from the old east stand and we're going to get onto the whole ramifications of the old east stand and
0: not the last the last year of the, the old last, east year. stand and also
2: and also the north stand where Well we'll get to that. we get to that. Yep. we're going to get to that. Yeah. Read
0: the fucking script, no, mate. No,
2: no, no. I'm, I'm just because <laughs> that's
0: a real hilarious <laughs> story. I could I forgot all about that. But anyway, let's park it because I don't want to reveal it now. Clayton, um you know, it it's very interesting when you go back. I mean, I I have to say I've drawn heavily on Tim's fantastic Stanford Bridge is Falling Down book, which I know you were today. You, Jonathan and I were clearly reading the same thing at the same time today, which is hilarious. But well, no, but
2: he, I, he gets something wrong, though. He gets something well, wrong. Well,
0: yeah, we'll get on to that, because yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, I think one of the key themes early on, and and, and Jonathan, I'm going to make him go potty, so I'm going to, like, park him over there for a minute and talk to Clayton, so <laughs> otherwise he will just spontaneously combust, because ev- every time I've mentioned this, he just almost explodes. But... There was a very interesting thing going on. Uh, the sub the subtext of this, Clayton, is, I think always has to be put in the context of the fact that they had planned to redevelop the stadium. Now, they had planned to do it this season, but it got delayed by planning, transport and financial issues. Um, but clearly money was an issue. And for a side that was supposed to, which had an excellent squad, one of the best squads in the country, no doubt, there weren't that many youngsters coming through. Which was a bit of a faux pas, but there seemed to be, you know, Sexton's two things: one, not having money available to buy decent players, and two, uh, getting fed up with the fact that, you know, the uh, the what the drink and dolly bird culture. So you know, they they got too many creative flair type players, and there seemed to me to be a bit of a move from a creative side to a workmanlike side because he bought in. He clearly didn't rate Derek Smithhurst who basically. Got the boot fairly early on. Good. He bought he bought Chris Garland, yeah. from Bristol City, and Steve Kemba from uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah. Now the the interesting thing, you know, Kemba, you know, there was a lot of conjecture at the times. Had he been brought in to replace uh, Alan Hudson? Why Hudson was younger than him, or Charlie Cook, who was fat and, and hadn't turned up that season as well, and and yet yeah, we also had five existing strikers. And Garland came into a side with six strikers but he wasn't a replacement for Hutchinson because he was a different kind of player so it seems to me that the whole transfer policy was a bit s- screwed up basically
1: yeah it's quite funny actually because you, you think about it in, in, in context it, it, it's sort of a bit like um, recently where we were buying the drink waters and um, yeah the fullback whose name has completely gone out of my head now Zappa um, Obviously, completely different context, but it, it, it is obvious that, that money was a big problem. But I think the thing to bear in mind in those days, and the, the people who were absolutely brilliant at doing it were Liverpool, is that in the pre, like sort of from one season to the next, they only went out and bought one or two players and they went out and bought the best. And that's how they, obviously, this is slightly before their dominance, but that's how they built up. And there weren't wholesale changes like there are now. I mean, if there were two or three players that came in, that was something big. The, 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 the thing about, the, I mean, this is, in in many respects, the the whole sort of, not the start, because I'm sure it happened before then, but as far as we were concerned, this was, this was player power. You know, Ozzy and Hud were the, were, the, were the glamour boys, and they were the antithesis of everything that Sexton wasn't. Sexton was this straight-laced guy who was a really nice man who basically wanted to play football in a certain way. He was a fantastic coach. But Great another,
2: tactician, wasn't he? Great tactician. Yeah,
1: brilliant, as he proved when he left us. And he went on and did yeah. brilliantly at QPR and then at Manchester United. Yeah. You know, he, he, was a, he was a fantastic coach. And, you know, we had players who, I mean, I loved Aussie. 100% agree with J.K., though. He he was... And Lazy. Be, yeah, I, I, I think I said on my, uh, my one-man thing with you that my dad said he never does anything. All he ever does is score. And he, he says he spends most of the game on his backside. And there was an element of that about him, but he was so supremely talented. But if you drink... I mean, we, we now know if you drink as much as he did, allegedly... As much as Huddy did, it was going to change the the way they played, and they obviously weren't going to be able to give as much. And there was obviously the preseason was was not good, and you can just tell the way the season started that we were in a mess. And I mean, it's you know, even though Chris Garland came from Bristol City. It was quite exciting, and, and he and he sort of scored a couple of spectacular goals. He wasn't necessarily what we needed at the time, but he wasn't good and enough. Yeah, and, and it's it interesting so about Kemba, because my memory. Hang on, hang on, hang on, one at a time. Yeah, my memory about Steve Kemba is it, it, he was actually much sought after at the
2: but time. Kemba was good. Yeah. Kemba was a good you know, player,
1: and but wasn't the the main sort of the worst thing to happen was that Kemba came in and then Hudson got pushed out on the wing. Yeah. Which is basically was was not what was required. Um
0: They so- did have a lot of injuries, Clayton. They had a lot of injuries that season, which didn't help. So I mean, he I mean, was having to
1: m- missing Hutch for the whole season was a massive But, but people
0: problem. were picking up in Ozzy was getting injured, Baldwin was getting injured, McCready was out. I mean there was a lot of chopping and in- just reading up on the season this morning. Yeah. I'd forgotten that, that actually, you know and it's really interesting, isn't it, how how history always repeats we, what we tend to always remember very much are the results because that's what really matters but we tend to forget the the context here and you know a bit like uh earlier on the season this year we were getting a lot of injuries and that affects results and Texans was having to put square pegs and square holes but I don't think he helped himself with some of those transfers now the other interesting thing that I, I read up on was actually that you know he'd done you know he, he, he'd strengthened a front line that already had five strikers he strengthened a midfield that was our strongest point, which worked really well with Hollins and Hudson working together Collins perfectly in tandem yes. well he did he did didn't he but the issue was that we had an i mean there was a lovely thing in in tim's book i can 't remember the paper now but the the bigger issue was perhaps the defensive vulnerabilities. Uh Harris's distribution, who went on to have quite a poor season for his standards. Eddie Mack wasn't sharp because he'd been injured for most of the season before. Mulligan was fast, but he couldn't tackle Johnny Boyle that pace. so there were issues to address defensively, which he didn't address
2: at the beginning of the season anyway. I thought it was it was um, it was no coincidence that um they came into their own. Run right about November, didn't they? When they had this huge run, undefeated run, it was as if they'd all got fit and they'd all got to the right weight, and they would wasted about eight weeks of uh, of the season just developing into the into the team they should have been in August. And if they'd all come back fit and had a decent preseason, they would have been uh, up in the top three. I think they were always about seven or eight points behind, weren't they, Similar
0: Well, J.K. Well. They they lost six games up until uh the 16th of october when they got beaten by arsenal at home and they lost one game for the rest of the season yeah so yeah. absolutely right um now one of the key things this is where I, I have to take a step back because i know you're going to explode um the season before keith weller who we'd bought from millwall um was our top scorer i think he scored 18 goals and, and was a great player well loved by all the chelsea fans um uh, Sexton was adamant that uh, Keith Weller was not for sale, and yet he played only two games that season before he was sold to Leicester for a hundred grand, which is what we'd paid for him uh, about three years before from Millwall. Now, it was this the year before?
1: It was just the yeah. previous well, season, Judge. Well,
0: he was no. I don't know. I've got a photograph of the nineteen seventy Cup winning side, and he's in the picture. That was just anyway. the season before. Well,
2: exactly. But, mean, to, to his, but yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But anyway, the point is that that we He's sold insane. him, and he was He's a very insane. big. He was insane. a very, he was a very big player for us. He was doing very, very well. I tell you what, David Webb said about this. He says selling Keith Weller was the beginning of the end. Now, I just want to pick up on that because there are so many points in this season which we can say, well, that was the beginning of the end. And if I was going to title this season anything, it's the beginning of the end season. But Webby was the first one to coin that term, and he said it about selling Keith Weller. I mean, you were apoplectic with rage then, and you are still now, aren't you, JK?
2: Well, they showed a goal. I'm watching a goal for Chelsea. You know, fantastic, fantastic running. Passes in, runs in the penalty area, volleys in. You just thought class act, really class player. He was, he was great. Uh, uh, it, it, you, go, you look at certain players, you wish you'd never sold. You know, and it, uh, I've gone through it before. You know, Pat Nevin, it really disappointed me. Um, Greaves really disappointed me. Venables really disappointed me. Um, but there was always because they needed the money. They needed, in some instances, though, I think it's because they they pissed the manager off. Now you wonder, was there something else to this? Whether Weller had been chosen specifically because he'd done something as occasionally is the case with certain people, like Ray Wilkins being sacked for supposedly uh, being uh, rude to Abramovich or whatever. You don't, you never, we never know. There's always speculation. And I wonder whether Weller was in fact, uh, there was something else going on
0: here. Didn't he have a
2: thing with Chopper? Yes. A feud. Yeah. Yeah. And because he, he in fact, he kicked him, didn't he? In in a training session, He, 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 he directly assaulted him, Chopper. So they obviously didn't get on. So perhaps there was a, he thought, to keep a balance here. I think sex, what Sexton wanted to do by buying Kemba and Garland was to actually try and tactically change his reliance on the stars, but still still make it work. I think he was looking at possibilities. I think, I, I, I think Garland got better and better as the season went on. But unfortunately, um, it took him a really long time to get there and he hardly played him. And when he did play, I have this dreadful image of him running forwards and constantly falling over and sliding. It's just something that is uh, with his big floppy, curly blonde hair. I just, this is kind of, we used to sort of think, oh, I used used to think I'll pretend to be playing football. I'll pretend to be Chris Garland. (laughs) You know, there was a, that kind of thing you do as a kid, Um, a kid as a teenager, but nonetheless, it's what we did. So, uh, and Kemba, I felt was a purchase for another year. I felt he was somebody who you could see fitting into what, um, Sexton wanted to do. And I think he attempted to do that the following season. I thought Sexton, uh, Sexton I thought Kemba was excellent, an excellent purchase. And he, weirdly, I think he got picked for the uh, under-23s, didn't he, at the time, ahead of Hudson. Um, but at the same time, Hudson was playing poorly. And also, uh, knowing what we know of these players, their reputations went before them, I'm afraid, as it, it not only, it, it, you know, we, we're living in a, that was a very conservative age, there were still people at the FA and managers. Revy was an example who didn't like the way. That, well, Ramsey and Ramsey is particularly yeah, all of them. But all of they were. They were. Um, uh, if, if you were exhibited any kind of personality, that that was something to be avoided, and and therefore you wouldn't be selected. Because I think the fact that I think, as as he says in his book, um, uh, Tim says, um, why didn't Webb get selected for England? Considering. Yeah. They selected Blockley from Arsenal that was just a lamppost and uh,
0: Well and, and Webby, Webby was our player of the year. Yeah,
2: yeah. Nobody, I mean not it, not Webby not in everywhere. In, well, goals, was, yeah. in goal, centre forward, yeah, right back, he was everywhere. Yep. And hell of a player. Yeah, hell I of mean, a that, Clayton, I mean,
0: I, Clayton, do you know what? Reading the... Honestly, Jonathan and I would like having book club here. I really find it <laughs> hilarious because, I mean, I saw your tweet and we were clearly reading the same chapter at the same time, It's just bizarre. But I was thinking of Webby when I was reading the book, Clayton, and I was just thinking you know just kind of look at it in the bigger picture view he was brilliant that season he was an absolute rock for us that season he played everywhere he he, he kept a clean sheet having to play in goal because we uh bonetti was injured phillips was injured sherwood one was shot. away Ipswich yeah had one shot well, that I
2: was there I remember it where we all went we only have one shot they were crap weren't they yeah, but he yeah. still
0: didn't he still didn't he was a defender and he was in goal uh, now here's here's the thing clayton i, I, I find it amazing that Given how good Webby was, and I, I know why he left because, as we'll find out in the next few weeks, all went to absolute shit after this season, and he and he, he was very strident and very being very disappointed that you know things didn't go how they'd expected this season, and I don't think it was ever the same again for him, but. Why is David Webb not heralded and lauded and revered by all of us lot and the club considering he came back and managed us after Porterfield tried to get us relegated and he kept us up and he kind of did it as a favour and then he got thrown away again. Why, Clayton, is David Webb not revered and honoured like so many of that night. And he, fuck me, he scored the winner in the cup final. But, but he's never, ever spoken about in these reverential tones. And I cannot understand why.
1: I revere him. I think Jonathan <laughs> probably does. He,
0: but he, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: I do. Yeah. I think people of a certain age revere him. Um, I think he was he's one of those players, and, and every team has a sort of player. You never actually realise how good he is until he's gone. And I think he was one of those players. He wasn't flash. Um, but yeah, he scored goals. He saved goals. goals. Um, he was a fantastic player. I was gutted when he left. I don't, I don't know why I, I don't, because he was part of that whole era that had the, the Osgoods, the Hudson's, the Bonetti's, the Hollins, the Cooks. And because I think he wasn't a youth player because we bought him from Southampton. So there were, perhaps there wasn't the, the love uh, for some of the youth players, but he, he was great. Well, I loved him. I thought he was a, he was a great player. And, I, you know, you mentioned him and you're quite right. I don't know why he's not sort of down in, in the sort of anals of history um, like some of the others and, and doesn't get mentioned in, in sort of w- with the love that others do. I think part of it is due to the fact that he's kept himself away from the club as well. Um, he obviously got shabbily treated by Bates um, and really didn't... well I mean, no, none of us know what the true story was. Um, so I don't think he, he... Whereas you get a lot of ex-pros coming on and talking about Chelsea, and, and we, we've discussed previously the fact that, you know, post-Bates, the, 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 the older Chelsea players are treated with, with love and, you know, care by the club and they're always welcome back and you always see them... But you never see Webby. And it, it's a great shame. And I suspect because we don't ever see him, that there's not that, that sort of love that you get for, for other players. And, and I don't know why. And it, maybe it's because he was so hacked off with how he was treated. And, and I don't know whether they've ever tried to build any bridges with him. But I was. He live in America.
2: In that... he live in America now? Doesn't he live in America now? I, don't
1: think, I think he lives in South End. <laughs> Does he...
2: South End in California,
1: mate. Um, I was also at that game at Christmas when uh, when he played in goal. I was absolutely horrified. You know, like turning up as a little boy and just thinking, "Oh, great!" You know, was it? Was it I can't remember. If it was Boxing Day or close to Boxing Day. It was a Christmas fixture, wasn't it?
2: Yeah,
1: it was definitely in, in December. I just, I was just checked, and Sherwood.
2: They attempted to get Sherwood, but he was up north.
1: He was stuck. He was failed, and failed to make it. I think it was Benetti and, and Hughes both had flu, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so they couldn't play. I'm just desperately searching. No, you
0: talk and I'll look. It was, go on. Wasn't
1: it 27th, 27th of December, so it was day after Boxing Day. And I remember turning up and being very excited because it was a Christmas fixture and all the rest of it. But basically... You know, the announcer getting more and more flustered by by the minute and then David Webb's playing in goal. And I I think he'd actually played in goal before, but for part of it when Benetti had been injured. So it wasn't sort of something that was completely new, but the fact that he was going to play the whole game was just bizarre and it
0: He, he Clayton, he did it against Coventry on the seventeenth, Friday the seventeenth right. of December, bizarrely, when Benetti got injured. Yeah. Uh, Chris Garland came on for Benetti and David Webb went in goal and then John Phillips was in goal when we beat Tottenham at home on the 22nd in the semi-final of the League Cup more of which later Uh, and then he was definitely in goal for uh, uh, the the Ipswich Town match which as you say was on the 27th of uh, December so there you go
1: completely bizarre really really funny as well Um, but yeah so I mean if, if nothing else that season should be remembered for that
0: Mm. um jonathan alluded to this i'm gonna have a quick mention of it now before we talk about the cup winners cup defense uh as in the defense of the cup winners cup not the defense that basically cost us uh our passage in that uh, competition but um johnny hollins had an absolutely outstanding season i arguably one of his best ever seasons for us um most appearances 30 uh, 58 he scored eight 18 goals from midfield. Now, if I tell you the top scorers for Chelsea, Ozzy had thirty one. Tommy Baldwin, who had also had a good season, he got eighteen. Johnny holland's got eighteen from midfield. Um he also scored you know, I think he scored five in a row at one stage, Jonathan. Um sensational. And he got the captaincy at the end of the season. Uh because they stripped uh well, they basically dropped Chopper at the end of the season because his form was so poor. But they not only did that, but they stripped him of the captaincy and the club captaincy. So Johnny Hollins got, you know, on-pitch captain. Eddie McCready was made club captain. But, I mean, Johnny Hollins was outstanding that season, wasn't he?
2: He completely brilliant. Yeah, non-stop. He was a kind of um, – uh, he was the player you loved the almost loved the most for his industry um, when you watched. He just made – it was part of it. You, you always needed a um, – uh, um, somebody who just just worked non stop and had was skillful and shot and scored and celebrated brilliantly and it sort of it was part of the package he fitted you know in every team you always want one of those who's a um who's just like a you know a springing everywhere um it just it just it made the composition of the side so so fantastic um because you knew that you 'd always get a shift from him because he was never poor. He was always just huge effort, never stopped running. Um, But you kind of accepted it because that had been the pattern was he was always, uh, always on the ball. You know, he was there. He was, it was, that was his best season though, without any shadow of a doubt. Mm. Um, You know, I, 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 you forget about him really as being, you know, I'm not surprised there's a Holland suite at the club because he, despite his dreadfulness as a manager, he was uh, he was really a, a top, top player.
0: He was. I, I I liked him a lot as a player, I've got to be honest. But uh, right, OK, so um, after the break, we're going to carry on with this. Um, we're going to start uh, really with Chelsea's defence of the European Cup Winners' Cup, which was uh, noteworthy for many reasons. Uh, and then we can get into all the other stuff that happened for the rest of the season. Uh, now, before we do all of that... Uh, I've got to tell you about a few wonderful things, Uh, like, uh, well, Chelsea special, first off, I think, is a very good thing to talk about, because, of course, it relates very much to what we're talking about here. And, I mean, talking of which, uh, I'd love to interview David Webb. If we could get him on a Chelsea special, that would be good, because I bet he's got a story to tell. But uh, me and Martin King have done these podcasts with the likes of Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Chopper, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, Bummers... Gary Chivers, Colin Pates, Canners, and even Danny Harkins. And they really are great because these guys talk about the events that we're talking about now, actually, with such clarity and such a completely different insight. And for for some bizarre reason, they trusted both Martin and myself, uh, and they really opened up. Now, uh, you can download all the interviews at chelseaspecial.podbean.com for a small charge for each podcast of £2.99 which uh, we've paid all the players to do these, so we've got quite a lot of costs involved and it helps to cover that. So uh, just subscribe to Podbean, go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com and then click on Buy Single Episode Now. They're all listed on the on the homepage of Podbean and you can download whichever ones you want. And uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Chelsea underscore special and uh, the website's chelseaspecial.com and of course we're on Facebook too as the Chelsea Special. So there you go.
2: Fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast
1: Proper Chelsea. Football
0: fancasts. Um, all right, okay. Uh welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast uh with the lovely Jonathan
2: Kidd. When And
0: the uh, the equally lovely Mr. Clayton Beerman. Good evening. Always good to have these boys in the house. Nice chat with them, I do. And no, uh, n- nothing like tonight's chat, where we're talking about the 1971-72 season, where they totally outrank me, as they were both old enough to have gone to a significant amount of the games, whereas I was seven years old. I think that was the year that I first got taken to a football match by my dad, who was a Portsmouth fan. He took me to see Portsmouth play at Pratton Park, and uh, it nearly put me off football for life, as I'm sure you can all understand. Uh, Now, a quick plug before we carry on with the chat about the 71-72 season. Um, Patreon, as you all know, uh, is a lovely little vehicle which enables me to put great content up there when there's football going on. Sadly, there isn't, so there's no great content going up there, and I should work harder at it, I know. But it's also a lovely way for you to kind of show your appreciation for what we do week in, week out, Uh, and donate some money Uh, you don't have to donate much as little or as much as you want uh, and it's very easy to do so you just go to patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast Um, so there we go kind of all started out really as an idea for you know we often meet up with people in the pub to have a beer and they all say oh we'd love to buy you a beer when we come over and of course if they can't get over then they can't so this was kind of a good way to do it so think of it like that think of it as buying me a pint once a week I will drink it and uh, very wisely, I assure you. Anyway, enough of the begging bowls. Uh, we now need to go right back to what we were talking about before, which is great fun, which is the 1971-72 season. Now, at this juncture, uh, we're about to talk about the defence of Chelsea's European Cup Winners' Cup campaign. Uh, now, as we know, their league form had been absolutely pants up till then. They'd lost one, two, three, four games, drawn two and won only three Okay, and they were something like seventeenth in the league at the time. Uh and then they got the first round match in the Cup Winners Cup against Jeunesse O'Shalage, uh I believe, who are a Luxembourg team. And uh something remarkable happened. We walloped them away eight nil. Uh and uh in the return leg uh we walloped them again thirteen nil. Now that is still a record, uh today, I believe, for any European competition. Now um were you were you both there? Uh no. You weren't Clayton, no, no. So neither of you were at this match.
1: Well, if you, you I, I mean, I don't know about Jonathan, but you got what you got to remember is I was a schoolboy at the time, and okay. Mid midweek um, games at night were a, a, a big no no.
0: So you're not as old as you 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 claim to be, which of course is no, a good I am. thing.
1: I am as old as I claim to be.
2: Okay, and I can right. say the same, but the mitigating circumstances was were. I I didn't really care about watching a team that we'd already beaten eight 0
0: Well, that's a really interesting point, actually, J.K. Because going back to Tim's book again, he makes the same point: is that the, the attendance for this match was way down on what it had had been in previous, uh, you know, European Cup C- Cup Winners Cup uh, matches, which is very very interesting. But anyway, to cut a long story short, short the interesting things about this is that that twenty one goal. Uh, you know aggregate score still remains as a record in European competition. And also um uh, Aussie scored a hat trick in both legs. Uh, Tommy Baldwin scored a hat trick in the home leg. But of course there was this this I don't know if you remember anything about this, but they, they had a, a bloke with one arm yeah. and a pair of specs, didn't they? Clayton?
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. No, I do remember that. The the, the attendance at, that night was twenty seven thousand six hundred and twenty one. You see
2: on the other hand Sorry, but man with one arm.
1: I didn't mean that, <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs>
2: it just came to mind, That was subconscious. But well, On the other hand, um, I do have a great memory of this bloke with the glasses and one arm. So I may have been there. And I, the only way I can find it is checking my programmes, which of course- well, but
1: are, I, the, the thing is that that was, that was not on telly because you had oh. the, the Wednesday night sports night with Coleman on BBC. And they—I don't even know if they had highlights of of the European Cup games. So no. they should, the Cup Winners' Cup got no coverage at all on no. TV until the final. So yeah, it was
2: all these cu- little things. This is the trouble. I go, no, I don't think I was at that for the reason. Then you go, oh, hang on a second, I might have been anyway. I think I made. But there we early. go. It was such a such a one way process. I don't think I was there. No, no.
0: They were a bunch of Luxembourg part timers and villagers, apparently, but there you go. Um you know, so anyway, we, we go through the next round, it's all very swimmingly. We then play Wolves uh, at home, who were a decent side in those days. Uh in fact they got to the semi final of this competition, and uh what did they get to the final? They might have even got to the final. Anyway, because Spurs won it in the end, more of that later. But we won 3 1 against Spurs. Had, and we went on a bit of a decent run. There was a particularly impressive result up a, up against upper uh, upper Anfield. Where we drew nil nil with a, a fairly injured side. What Weren't they in the Fairs Cup,
1: not the? Yeah, cup cup. They were, I was going to say that. They 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 beat. You're dead right. You're dead right. Fairs beat Wolves, I think, in the semi final. Right. Thank that. you,
0: thank you, thank you. I, I I defer to my elders and betters on that uh, on that point. Anyway, we then get drawn against Atvidaberg, who were, again, another team of Swedish part-timers. And this, at this point, it does all seem to go a bit wrong. We drew 0-0 in the first leg. No great crime in Europe. And then we got on back in uh, the home leg on the 3rd of November. And we managed to draw 1-1, which meant that we got knocked out uh, on... Uh, on away goals. Now, from well, I don't remember any of this because, of course, I wasn't there, but what I, what I read is that we were basically very complacent. John Hollins missed a penalty, which was crucial. Had we not, if, it, Hollins missed a penalty when we were 1 0 up. Had that gone in, it would have been game over. They then scored a goal from their only shot, defended with nine men uh, for the entire game. We missed loads of chances. Aussie missed loads of chances. Uh, it was at the time, the press called it one of the most embarrassing moments of the club's history. They clearly didn't have a crystal ball. Uh and, the, and 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 apparently the players, and particularly Ozzy, got the bird. They were booed off the pitch. Were either of you two there? Jonathan's nodding. Clayton, were you there?
1: I wasn't there, but I do actually remember Hollins was inconsolable at the end. It wasn't his fault yeah. that we actually lost, but I think I'm right in saying that he hit the post from the penalty. Yeah. yeah. And he was just inconsolable and probably the last person on the pitch that should have been inconsolable, but uh, I suppose that's just the way... That that was the nature of the man, to be honest.
0: So, um, Jonathan, did you boo Aussie? No,
2: I don't think I've ever booed anybody.
0: There we go. I knew I could rely on you. Yeah.
2: But there was booing, though. The crowd were not happy, were they? No, it was a terrible performance. But there were lots of those that season. Complacency and... Um... I'm trying to remember. I think he didn't have a great side out, and I also I don't think either of the two players could play, could they? The new ones. Um,
0: they were cup tied. Cup tied.
2: Yeah. So, um, um, uh, and everybody was injured. But even then, they were. You know, they should have won it. I think it was one of those one of games that we're so used to of uh, them being completely on on top and 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 the opposition then just defending well. I think we're used to that much more now, actually, in this era. Um,
0: well just just to to back up what you were saying uh, Alan Hudson put us up uh, 1-0 up on 46 minutes. Johnny Hollins missed his penalty, hit the post 60 minutes. They scored on 65 and then it was just a whole and actually the team was interesting. That wasn't this is not a bad team. Peter Benetti, Paddy Mulligan, Ron Harris, John Boyle, John Dempsey, David Webb, Charlie Cook, John Hollins, Peter Osgood, Alan Hudson, Peter Houseman. Pretty much, you know, what you would call Chelsea's best team. But the headlines are, are, are brilliant. Uh, Chelsea jeered out. Chelsea were jeered out of Europe by their own fans last night after being humbled by a team of Swedish part-timers. So there you go. And things like betrayal. Uh, there you go. So yeah, people were not happy. Um, This is, again, I think, you know what I was saying earlier about a whole kind of litany of um, this was the beginning of the end moment. Uh, you know, selling Keith Weller a bit of a beginning of the end moment getting knocked out of the uh, the Cup Winners' Cup appallingly, another beginning-of-the-end moment. Because, of course, what this meant was that that was arguably um, uh, you know, a good chance of... Uh, I mean, that was actually one of the club's priorities, to try and win the thing again. So they kind of completely uh, screwed that. But however, however, there's always a however with Chelsea, isn't there? That's what I love about this club. Actually, that was a real seminal moment in the season because, uh, you know, whilst being utterly, utterly, utterly disappointing, we then went on a a run of games. We lost once in 24 games. In fact, actually, I think it might be more than that. Uh, One, two, three, four. Hang on. One. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Well, we, won- we lost once in the further 17. But actually, if you take take it up to before that, we-, we only lost one game in 24 matches for the rest of the season. So we really picked up our form. And, you know, basically what was going on was that, you know, we, we-, we still felt we had a chance of getting in to europe via the league we might have been 10th or 11th but there were i mean city i think city united and leeds were changing uh the title you know the, the top spot was changing hands between them throughout the season but they they were only ever about seven uh points off the top even though they were in about 10th position which was a bit odd and they still had the fa cup and they still had the uh the league cup um now before that there was something that was quite remarkable that happened and one of the real kind of confidence uh, right in the middle of this run, they were on a, a run of, I think it was six games they won on the trot after the At-Widderberg game, the last of which was a really tough 1-0 win at home against Tottenham, which was, co- of course, uh, a precursor to uh, a League Cup semi-final. Now, this is the match, Jonathan, where the, there was the shudder of the North Stand.
2: <laughs> well, but... Every time I sat in the North Stand, it it shuddered regardless. I don't think this wasn't any news. I don't know about you, Clayton, if you ever went and sat there. I sat
1: there there once, and it terrified the life out of me. It should always move.
2: Yeah, but this ridiculous of saying, oh, it shuddered this season, in that game when the train went past, it's a load of rubbish. It always moved.
1: Was always shuddered. it's it, 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 it my imagination, or I just dreamt this? That you sort of had to walk up these rickety wooden stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I sat there once, and I have no idea why or what game it was, or what have you. But all I remember was thinking, "I hope I get out of here before it falls over." <laughs> it was a very weird. The
2: book, it, apparently, it was supposed to be um, built all the way round, and the Second World War got in the name in the way of it. Um, but they were having great trouble, weren't they, that season? Because they'd almost had the East stand condemned. It really was uh, um, ancient. And uh, you could, clearly there was so little investment in the club. And um, you slightly despair at where the money was all going. And they well, he, the... he, he invented the pools that year, didn't he, according to?
0: Yeah. But, I mean, the other funny thing, John, they're talking about the money being tight and them being tight, when they built the West stand... They couldn't be, they were too tight to build a a stand over the benches. So, when the North Stand people, who were all season ticket holders, they got moved out because that basically they weren't allowed to use the stand again, ever again. In fact, that was the last time it was used. Although there was this kind of on and off thing going on about will they be able to use it? Will they not be able to use it? Anyway, they moved the season ticket holders over to the benches and they all got wet. And they all complained, wanting their season ticket money which, back, which, and there which were they protests. Yeah, that's them. right. That's but it was—it right.
2: was a complete. It was you knew that if you had a, you'd say, "I've got a seat for the North Stand," and they'd go, "Everybody go, whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know. But even even ten years beforehand, this wasn't. This wasn't. This wasn't news. This was just. It was clearly. I thought that 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 had been built in. You know, that was it. Was built on those stilts, and the stilts moved. Not that it was actually a safety hazard. Even ten years before. No
0: mate i tell you what i was in the matty harding upper when we beat liverpool in the champions league That's in, the one, in, in the in the yeah it, it moved 2 feet it was bouncing yeah. we were doing yeah. one uh, one step beyond well, people, what and it people was bouncing used to do
2: they used to do people used to stamp in the north stand
0: yeah deliberately oh my
2: God. deliberately yeah. to get it shuddering <laughs> so this business of just saying it's a it's a sh-, you know that shudder that day caused us to worry about it, it was just absolute bollocks from the board you, we, we made it shudder Everybody every we go let's let's have a, let's stamp you know the, the constant stamping in the sodding stand that's what you did that's what you did in Brilliant. the north stand
0: you know the thing <clears throat> the other lovely irony about the north stand the old north stand
2: is it is it's, it's situated
0: exactly where clayton now sits i think pretty much it's true yeah you are sitting on the old north stand mate
2: around you are the specters of all those people who sat there yeah. Do you still feel a shudder
0: occasionally, Clayton? Not as often as I used to. Bubble. <laughs> uh, not as often as <laughs> th- I'd like. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we'll move on. So here we are. We're we're in this really great run of form. We've moved up the table. We're now about seventh. So we generally think we've got. We, we're still pissed off that we got kicked out of Europe because we had high hopes there. But we have still got the FA Cup. That we're still in the FA Cup. And we're, you know, we're uh, approaching a League Cup semi-final, which, again, is against Spurs. Um, big match. They'd won the competition the year before, so they were the holders. That's why I think they were actually in the Cup. Uh, well, that would have been UEFA. Whatever. Let's not argue about that, but let's stay friends. Bottom line is we're in a League Cup semi-final, two-legged affair.
1: It was a fantastic game. It really was end-to-end. I think, I can't remember, but I think we the winner was a penalty. Um... I think we led both times and they clawed it back and then I think we we scored right towards the end and then we played at White Hart Lane which was a game I did go to.
0: And well, before you do, Clayton, yeah. just to to reiterate that you're you're right. Uh we Aussie well hang on. Uh Aussie put us one up on 38 minutes. Naylor scored for them on 50. Then they went ahead with Chivers on 52 minutes. Chris Garland scored on 75, and then Johnny Hollins got a penalty on 86 minutes. But the, I think the most interesting thing about all of this, if, I don't know if you, you boys will remember, I remember growing up this guy, I it always used to make me tickle that there was a guy called Mike England who was the captain of Wales. Yeah. And of course he uh, he was a, a big defender for, for Tottenham. Clearly he'd been nibbling at Aussie all night and Aussie managed to get himself booked for uh, basically kicking him in the chest. Do you remember that?
1: I don't, but uh, it doesn't come as much as a surprise. Yeah, but Aussie was scra- always scrap that that wonderful clip that was on um, Twitter with him and Norman Hunter on the day yeah. When yeah. Norman sadly passed. With his
2: beard, he's got his yeah, beard. that was
1: so funny. Whoa.
0: That was next season, I think. Yeah, that was the seventy-two, seventy-three season. Um, so there we go. So right, pick it up from where we left off. We then have to go up there, Clayton, for the second
1: yeah, so leg. We, what happened? To, um, we went to their place. By the way, and, I went to
2: the home game and not the away game.
1: OK, so I went the other way around. Yeah. Um, and I think we scored first through Chris Garland because it was interesting when Jonathan was talking about Chris Garland. Um, I only remember him scoring spectacular goals and not so much him falling over. And the goal he scored that night was brilliant. It was about 25, 30 yards out. He smacked it in. Um, I think they went two-one up, and then we scored from the most ridiculous mistake. Um, Alan Hudson, free kick by the corner flag. That's right. Sort of scuffed it. As far as
0: eighty-nine uh, minutes, Clayton. Yeah.
1: So, so it was two-one, and it was going to go to extra time. And um, <laughs> the funny thing is that the ball—I mean, it was quite bizarre that it went in, I, I think it was Cyril Knowles was on the it post was. it went through his legs and just squeaked in and I went to stand up and my uncle, God bless him, pulled me down, just as I was going up, he just tugged at my sleeve and I sat down again because as you can imagine losing to your London rivals in the semi-final of a cup in the last minute the last thing you want to see is some um, Herbert standing up celebrating and I probably would not have got out of there.
2: You were in the the Spurs end. I see. I I,
1: well, My uncle was a Spurs season ticket holder. So I was in the old Spurs West stand, and, uh, yeah, so that, that was, um, that was, that was so funny. I mean,
0: so at at the age of 12, uh, Clayton took the uh, Tottenham West stand. This is the headline I'm taking out of this. I'm impressed.
1: I I took nothing at all. I I slunk out of there with my head down. Cheesy grin.
2: (laughs) I do remember that, uh, Which, uh, reading Tim's book, but I remember this, that they complained vociferously about Mike England, about it. Mike England did, didn't he? free kick. And the referee had never put his arm up, so it was a direct free kick. But they went on and on and on about it.
0: Not like Spurs at all,
2: mate. No, no, no. But once again... once as, again, they, as they say, look in the history books. Indeed. indeed. Once again, the fact that I remember this so vividly um, makes me suspect I might have been there. I can make these statements about things and then I remember thinking, hang on, having a chat with somebody at the time saying, no, that was definitely a direct free kick. No, it's not a direct free kick, which I wouldn't have had at home. Um, and I don't remember... It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't home. have been on wasn't, telly. It wasn't, wasn't on telly at home. Therefore, no. I'm, Therefore, I was there. I just want to get, ask you
0: one question, right? I mean, Cyril Knowles was the uh, the chap who, who let the ball go under his feet uh, with a very because it bounced about 3 times before it got to him from oh, from the footage I've seen. It
1: hobbled it yeah. wiped its feet before it went in the net.
0: But is this is this where the song uh, nice one Cyril, no. nice one son, no. nice one Cyril, let's have another one. I'm very it, disappointed it wasn't to hear about that.
1: about him. But no, it wasn't because of that goal because that he screwed up. So it wouldn't have been I that.
0: hope you all sang that to him.
1: No, I think it was after. I, I don't think. Right. I don't know. Oh, well. I, I honestly don't know. Let me have a look and see when Nice One Several was really. Well, never mind. Wasn't it when they
2: won the? Uh, when they Didn't they invent that song after they'd won the? Um, the the FA Cup.
0: It might have been. Yeah. Anyway, talking of cups, uh, we now have a very important uh, week in Chelsea's season. In fact, actually, this defines the season. In fact. One could say it defines Chelsea's next twenty-six years. J.K. But
2: well, can I just say that 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 after the the Cup Winners' Cup defeat, although we were bitterly disappointed, um, there was still the feeling that they would win uh, the FA Cup and the, yeah. and the they were favourites the, for the FA yeah. Cup. So it wasn't as it was disappointing and horrendous, but at the same time, there's that terrible hope that one had that. They were a good enough side, and they win both those trophies.
0: Well, I mean, you're right. We'd had one defeat in 24 games before yeah. the Orient. Yeah. We played basically. We played Leighton yeah. Orient in the fifth round, yeah. up at their place at yeah. Brisbane Road. Yeah. One defeat in 24 games. We were favourites, yeah. bookies favourites, for both the FA Cup and the League Cup yeah. because we were going to be playing Stoke in a week's time. Who we were better than, and we were actually still only a few points off first place in the league, so European qualification was hugely likely. There was a sense of optimism around Chelsea, uh, quite rightly so. But as I said, we we are about to go into a defining week in the annals of uh, Chelsea Football Club. So, on uh, trying to find it here, yeah. So on the twenty-sixth of February, we play Leighton Orient at Brisbane Road. And the next match is Stoke City at Wembley in the League Cup final on the 4th of March. Um, you were there, Jonathan, at the Orient match, weren't I you? I was
2: indeed there. What the happened? Uh, well, we were 2-0 up and all over them. And um, one of their players, I was under the impression, I thought Barry Kitchen had scored or something. He played for them at the time, I think. he was. He's, kind
1: of- he scored a couple of years later at the bridge when they knocked us out. Of course he did. Yeah.
2: He did that. You're right, but I think he was. Well, I don't remember if he was playing or not. Anyway, I've, 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 I've. I've it was Phil Hoadley they, scored first. Right, right, right. But regardless, Screamer. Regardless, yeah. They, they, we were completely all over them. It was ludicrous as always in these situations, and then uh, you know they all just came back and the pitch was just a quagmire. But we were still all over them, and they managed to score two more goals in that kind of scrappy dreadful um the, the pitch has fallen apart and we're not balls punted up and a lot of people are scragging each other and there's lots of violence going on And it was a kind of cup tie you sort of accept you don't accept it you just go along with the fact that they're probably going to win because you know the ref's on their side as well and it's all just falling apart and in front of me um there was supposedly i remember this was actually played out in the in the papers, Chelsea fans' attempt to stop the game by going on the pitch was said in the last few minutes. In actual fact, uh, in front of me, this was never mentioned in the press, I never understood why, um, the, the thin wall that um, was obviously there before that, just by the next to the goal, just by the goal, fell down. And large numbers of supporters fell down with it. And the St John Ambulance had to come along and uh, and deal with it and several people were worried about what was gonna happen and whether anything else was gonna fall down. And people were worried about trying to get safe away from this and, and were actually next to the pitch. And some actually wandered onto the edge of the pitch and the referee blew his whistle and went over and tried to, to realize what had happened. But, um, and I think a couple of, of ne'er-do-wells decided that they would uh, run onto the pitch at the time, but it was something that was actually ignored by everybody Um, uh, And I think they then said, you know, we've done a crash barrier check and there wasn't a problem with that. It wasn't a crash barrier. The wall fell down.
0: This is what the press said, JK. They talk about uh, media agendas. They were around even in those days. Shed mob run riot. Barry's winner sparks battle with 50 police. Noses were broken and heads were kicked in terrace battles as 50 helmeted policemen fought to stop Chelsea's dreaded shed mob from forcing an abandonment of this gigantic cup shop, shock. The Shed flaunting their blue and white scarves stormed the pitch while Orient was still cheering Barry Fairbrother's goal. He scored on, what, 89 minutes? Yeah. Uh, sorry, 88 minutes, two minutes from time. Seven minutes later, with 95 minutes showing on my watch and a convoy of stretchers heading for the tunnel, that goal was declared the winner after a stoppage of play by referee Ray Tinkler, who called on the police. They chased the 100 or so hooligans off the field, penned them back over a sidewall, and struggled shoulder to shoulder to keep them from breaking free before the final whistle. So there you go.
2: Well, I think, I think people ran on the pitch at the end because everybody always did anyway, and I think the police were involved, but this... This incident with the wall was just completely ignored. Indeed. So there we go. So we're
0: out of the FA Cup. Uh, just very typical of Chelsea at the time. And this season, by the way, you know, complacent before they go into it, expected to win easily, Clayton, 2-0 up, cruising. And then I think the, well, as a result of this, there's a lot of talk about their mentality and I mean, it's so weird, isn't it? How history repeats. It, it it just was so redolent of of last season, and sometimes this season. You know, they're really on top. They're doing really, really well, playing well. They get up, and then somebody scores, and they just they shit themselves. Basically, I think, is the technical parlance. <laughs> and there was re- there were real questions about Chelsea's mentality here.
1: Yeah, but I, I I think that that was just a shock. I mean, that really I was I, I remember listening on the radio, and I couldn't believe what what I was hearing. Um, I just think that it, it's sort of, I think it was more of a coincidence rather than, than a, a sort of bad performance in the two games. I, 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 as Jonathan said that they were all over Orient and Orient scored. I mean, the, the wonder goal that they scored to get them back in the game was just a complete fluke. And that guy will never have done what he did in that game ever again. Um, but it got, them, it got them in it, it got the crowd in it. As, as Jonathan said, the pitch was like a quagmire and it just happened. And I, th- I think that um, we, we didn't play that well, but we, you know, it was a cup thing. That's what happened, there were, there were cup shocks. I just think it's just a shame that the following week ha- what happened happened.
0: Well, indeed, and I mean, they were criticised in many respects for the for the same kind of uh, thing happening again, overwhelming favourites against Stoke City. And I mean, it's really interesting reading up about this and reminding myself of it. It was it's easy to believe that kind of version. Oh, you know, I mean, Rick in his book uh, Chelsea: The Complete Record says that Chelsea were moody and mediocre, but the actual reality was was that uh, you know basically. Conroy scored after five minutes which in a cup final really you know knocks the stuffing out of you but Paddy Mulligan uh, got injured at half time uh, which meant Tommy Baldwin came on but that actually make, meant that Houseman had to go left back which meant that he wasn't at left wing which means he wasn't delivering for Osgood who basically having scored on the stroke of half time to equalize basically meant that he was isolated up front and, of course, Stoke A defended with all their worth. Eastham gets a lucky goal because we can't defend properly. And Gordon Banks, uh, only the best goalkeeper in the world, by the way, kept us out with some brilliant saves. So... It's not quite, I don't think, the, I think the reality is is not quite as simple as saying, oh, well, you know, as always, Chelsea was complacent and arrogant, turned up, expected to win easily, and, and basically didn't turn up. I'm not sure if that's entirely true, but you boys were probably there. I mean, I know you were there, Clayton. Uh,
2: Jonathan, were you there? No, I wasn't. And I've never, okay. never watched the game ever, deliberately. <laughs> Brilliant. Because uh, I couldn't bear to see them lose lose it. No, I was I was playing some sport for the school side, so uh, I couldn't go. But um, so no. does my version ring any bells,
0: then Clayton, or am I being a bit revisionist?
1: No, no, I I, I don't think it it does actually, and I I was quite because um, I saw the same thing in Rick's book because when I was looking about um just about tonight I I read his little crazy of the season, um, and I find that quite strange. I mean, may, maybe it was mean and Moody, and I mean, you know, again, I was quite young. But my memory was yes, we let in an early goal, but after that it was all us until we equalised. And then um, I think, I mean, George Easton's goal, I remember him sort of hooking it in whilst he was on the floor. No, was he hooked it in whilst he was on the floor? No, George Easton hitting a rebound. It, it, it was, I remember the morning of the game that the, the, my parents used to get the Daily Mail, but it probably still does, my mom, but. Um, there was a cartoon of, like, Ron Harris showing the Stoke player, the, their captain, the the raw box, you know, and just because we were just nailed on favourites. And I don't perceive, from my memory of the game, and let's face it, at that age you're not that much of a reader of the game, but I don't actually perceive that we were arrogant. I don't think we were mean and moody. I think we were just... The, the luck went against us, um, and, and also
2: the filthiness of Comroy, who apparently just went round kicking everybody, and the referee was just completely. Uh, um,
1: I, do, I honestly don't remember. I don't. I, I don't remember feeling hard done by, other than basically losing a game that we shouldn't have lost. And as I say, I, I don't. I mean, an awful, awful week. But I think perhaps. The, the mentality was there and I don't, you know, um, it was just one of those things. You can't win every game and it was just unfortunate. Those those were two back-to-back games. I, I remember I was absolutely devastated. Um, but thankfully at that time when the, I left, the, uh, left Wembley with my dad, um, I had no idea <laughs> that we wouldn't be back there for quite a few years.
0: I mean, just to pick up on uh, Frank McGee in, I don't know what paper actually, but anyway... He used to write for the Mirror. This is really interesting what he says here. Uh, once Chelsea adjusted to the comprehensive reshuffle of the second half, with Harris moving to right-back, Houseman dropping to left-back, and Bourbon going into the front line, they threatened to take over again. Basically, his whole whole piece here was how on top Chelsea were for most of the game. Burnetti was beaten once, but oh, that's, that's irrelevant. They scored a goal that was offside. There was no hint in anything Stoke were doing at the time to indicate the scale of the move leading to Easton's winning goal, nor the truth of the tremendous comeback Chelsea promptly staged. Banks had to make a series of plunging saves and parries as Chelsea threw everyone forward. But even he might have been beaten had Baldwin been quicker with one shot and more accurate with a header, though the way Banks got to an Osgood header in the 86 minute makes that debatable. So, I mean, the story that we're getting here was that we were absolutely on top. A few defensive clangers, possibly. Uh, and Stoke you know Banks was superb and Stoke were lucky because we pretty much battered them but it'd be worth I have to go because I think you can still see the whole of that game so I might try and dig it up on YouTube and have a watch of it. I mean interestingly of course we played in the in the blue with the yellow socks again uh, you know which should have been good luck and of course this is this is the final where Blue is the Colour was recorded for but in February by by Ch- uh, Chelsea supporting producer Larry Page and it reaches number five in the charts and of course two interesting legacies from the match one is blue is the color which we still sing to this day which i find brilliant and secondly as clayton was saying i mean you know in a sense that week and the, again tim's book is brilliant in this because he, he's interviewed a few fans who were around at the time but the you know one of the most disappointing weeks in the club's history up till then But now, in hindsight, we can see that that genuinely was the beginning of the end, and we didn't go back to Wembley until 1986, did we?
2: Was that in a a non-competition?
0: Well, yeah, in the full Members Cup, so 97 for a a proper Cup final, absolutely. So I think, you know, it's funny, isn't it? I don't know if you love history, it's really quite interesting to kind of pinpoint these watershed moments, these moments in time, but... You know, I do think with hindsight that was pro- possibly the the week that did it. Although at the end of the day, you know, we didn't fall apart immediately. In fact, actually, you know, our league form, you know, we still had a chance of getting into Europe via the league. Uh, we didn't quite manage to do it, and and our form did tail off a little bit towards the end. I mean, after the Stoke game, just looking down now, we
2: had five wins uh, in a row, didn't we? Uh, I'm
0: just just trying to find I've gone all, my my screen just went all big well we didn't actually we drew nil nil with Liverpool that would have been a tough match uh we lost 2-1 to Forest which would have been very disappointing it given given that they were you know heading towards relegation or yeah they got relegated that season so we we lost to Forest uh and then we lost 1-0 to Man City who were at the time at the top of the table and challenging for it so no disgrace there and then we won we beat West Ham, Sheffield United, Ipswich Town and Palace and Wolves in a row. So we were still well in contention. And guess what? It all came to a grinding, shuddering hole when we lost 3-0 away to Spurs, Clayton.
1: Yeah, no, I've got absolutely no memory of that whatsoever. Um, Me neither. I, I know for a fact that I went to a couple of those games, the, the home games against maybe West Ham, Sheffield United and Palace, but I don't remember the Spurs game at all. Um, but it obviously, we only then got, what, five out of 50. I don't know. Was it three points for a win then? Or was it just two? It two. two, I think. Two. Yeah, no, we we, we we didn't do very well after that, did we? It, it sort of all petered out.
0: It did indeed. Oh, well, there we go. And as I said, next week, we'll pick that up in the 72-73 season. We've got Tim Rolls with us. And of course, that's the season where they started demolishing the East Stand and building the new one, uh, which was, uh, together with some very odd things happening with the players and the management, very much the root of uh, why it all went horribly wrong for the next three seasons. But that is for another week. But I thank both
2: of you boys for that. That was... uh, Wait, one more comment quickly. Go on, on, Jonathan. 2-0 to Leeds at the final game of the season with a rather pusillanimous performance, apparently. And they thought they were just going to... Win the title, and then they lost the following week, didn't they, against Wolves? And uh, and Derby. That's Derby, when
1: was Smith. it Derby? Derby. What was it? Derby won the league, and they were in Mallorca, weren't they? The night yeah. that Leeds yeah. lost to Wolves.
2: Yeah, indeed they were. We we in fact were joyous at Leeds losing, in a way that was was. Uh, I remember leaping about and cheering as only a uh, a teenager can do at the fact that. Uh, I, keep, I have to keep emphasising...
1: Isn't it about the third or fourth year in a row that Leeds has screwed up?
2: Yeah, yeah. But the, the hatred for Leeds was, was unanimous around the country. Uh, I really can't estimate how... And the, every game they, Chelsea played against them was a complete... Um, I mean, just a, a slugfest of all proportions. It was just ludicrous. So little football being played personal vendettas and revenge and this is why there is the hatred for Leeds i keep having to emphasize that in a way that there isn't for tottenham
0: well i think that the funny thing is the 0-0 draw i think we drew 0-0 with them yeah, that season yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently they had it on match of the day it was the big match of the day but they only had about a minute or two because it was one of the worst football games of the play because they just spent 90 minutes just k- kicking each other yeah. and as you said take you know personal vendettas all over the pitch yeah. Uh, and Leeds were a good side this is this is the Leeds side that actually opened up and started playing football they were a good side in fact next season the one that you were talking about when uh, peter osgood and uh, norman hunter kicked each other they 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 were a superb team that season that's the season they went on and broke all sorts of records they were a great
2: it? side but they you know he taught them just to be utterly cynical
0: dirty leaves, jk and actually i think on this point i think it's behoven upon us to 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 say how sad i am personally anyway to, that norman hunter passed away yeah, this week yeah. uh cuz i actually interviewed him for a tv program i made back in 2005 yeah. and he was an absolutely delightful man an intelligent charming engaging very funny man very kind and i baited him literally for an hour and a half in an interview trying to get him to say on camera and admit on camera that Leeds were a dirty side. I said, come on, Norman, we all know you were dirty. Just say it. You can say you're dirty, Leeds. I spent the entire hour and a half trying to get him to do that, and he you would chuckle at me. He said, oh, no, 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 no. And then right at the end, I said, come on, come on. He said, well, well, I've got to admit, we did cross the line once or twice, <laughs> <laughs> which I just
2: thought was lovely. I told you that said about a- playing football with him in a... Dennis Walker yeah, and, yeah. and he was at centre half because he was playing for Bristol City at the at the time um, with uh, who was the manager Royal Joe Royal was the, the yeah. city manager and um, and he was lovely to me absolutely lovely yeah, yeah. Coach. all right well played got... youngster well played all this kind of
0: stuff yeah he's a lovely bloke so very sad loss fancy losing you know two that were in the FA Cup final and in the World Cup 66 squad as well very sad